Hey yo, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, sitting right here. Hey Paul. What's what's happening? Just enjoying life, man. Another Living week. It. Back at it. Went back up to 98 degrees yesterday. Yep. Sure did. You're gonna be there all week. But you know what? I just I love living in South Louisiana anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, welcome everyone to the show, whether on the radio, KLFT Radio here in South Louisiana, or on the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. I just made up a whole bunch of things right there. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. Glad glad you're here. We got a packed show. I mean, packed football seasons in in uh, in tow. So, and the w- reason I say that is because uh, like when you look at like the football lineup for a weekend and you have like a lot of good matchups, mm-hmm. like this really good team against this really good team, and then you have a bunch of those on like a Saturday or a Sunday when football's happening, mm-hmm. you get really excited. Yeah. Well, well, today's show has like superb matchups. Mm-hmm. I superb. mean, yeah. I mean, it's really good matchups we're going to talk about. I mean, it's it's like a... It's like a full slate. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And we're going to get to a lot of it. Yeah. So. Let's do it. Yeah. How you been? I've been great. You know, um, my wife's quite pregnant. We're due in December for uh, number nine. And so that's kind of the story of of the life. Nueve. Nueve. And, uh, but good. I mean, the fall's an interesting time at a school. We're kind of in September. So we're hitting our stride a bit, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have something called Pilgrimage Week next week which is all of our students in the high school 7th through 12th go on this some kind of out of school experience uh seeking the lord in different ways pilgrimage pilgrimage and so um that's very exciting it's also just a beautiful mess i mean there's everywhere everywhere you know they're going everywhere with all the people and uh, it's all in one week so yeah and every like class Seniors, juniors, some go on a different that's right. type of pilgrimage. That's right. Know. We have some in Rome, Italy. We have some on, on a mountain in Colorado. We have some building houses that's in, awesome. in Homa. Um, so they're all over the place doing the God stuff and uh, just praying for a lot of grace and ask everybody's prayers because, I mean, Paul, you know this, how important these events can be. You take a week, you take a weekend, you take a day sometimes where I'm going to just set aside my normal routine, go mm-hmm. seek God. And God really looks forward to those moments. Like yeah. he, he often plans a lot of grace for people. So there's a difference between a retreat and a pilgrimage. Okay. So yeah. like, it, and they can be combined into one thing. Okay. So they're not one without the other, but you can combine it. But the word pilgrimage, like I've used a few times, particularly for longer trips, like week, two week trips. When you think about it as a pilgrimage, a journey, like you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to go from one spot and end somewhere, right? And so, and then you incorporate sort of this spiritual life into that. You're not trying to accomplish sort of this experience in one day or two days. You're really like spreading it out on a pilgrimage, mm-hmm. this journey towards something, you know? And a lot of times, like people in the church or the saints use that word pilgrimage, you know, um, as a, a real spiritual journey. So I think, I think that's cool. I mean, our whole life, like even in the church, theologically, would say like we technically are pilgrims. Yeah. Here on this this rock, this planet. Like we're on a journey to heaven. Like it's it's this spiritual journey that we're making. Well true to your brand, uh that was a big theme of Pope Benedict the sixteenth. I know that's he, part of your he, brand. He's a pilgrim? Well he would point He out, talked about pilgrims. Yeah. Often he would point out the pilgrim church. You yes. Know, he, he would 
And few- yes, to your point, uh, I do have a <laughs> on brand a nice little uh, <laughs> devotion to uh, Benedict. But he would love to say the church is communion mm-hmm. all the time. He'd always, always say the church is on mission all the time. Yep. And he would say the church is a pilgrim people. Correct. You know, those kind of his big three in describing you the church. You look like a pilgrim. Yeah. Like I haven't showered or shaved. Well, you just got this big long beard. I mean, honestly, like if you had like a, I don't know, like a hat, like a top hat or a, nice, you know, like some type of like, you would look like a pilgrim. A pilgrim. Oh, that kind of pilgrim. Yeah, like a I real like pilgrim, <laughs> like, like a, like a real pilgrim. turkey and corn <laughs> pilgrim. Well, it is interesting biblically uh, when you look at pilgrimage. If you just look at the Bible in the eyes of pilgrimage. If you've never done that, it really opens everything up. Abraham, his whole life, pilgrim. His whole life. Something about the word pilgrim. Pilgrim. Jesus accomplishes great works as a pilgrim hmm. on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, for yeah. example. Well, the whole Bible, you know, story is a. It is a journey. It's a, yeah. it's a story that unfolds over time, right? It is a. It is a pilgrimage. You know, you. It's interesting. You mentioned your your wife's pregnancy. I mean, <clears throat> nine months. It is a. Journey, oh, it's a, a pilgrimage, you know, in in new life, and and like that is like the Christian journey, like this, this up and down, this embracing of suffering and new mm-hmm. life. The Paschal mystery is a is a pilgrimage. Yeah, and I mean, I think Saint Paul's encouragement: if you don't feel like you're on pilgrimage, you're not doing Christianity right. Because he would say, um, you know, this this place is not our home. And the idea of the pilgrim, the root word means like a foreigner, someone who's where they're not, they are on a journey where they don't normally live, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we don't see ourselves in a pilgrimage in our Christian walk, then we're a little too comfortable with this life. I mean, this, the idea is that we are not home yet. We're on a journey to our home. And thank God, because I mean, there's days, like if I can be real honest, vulnerable, working on that in my life, by the way, I'm working on that. Are you? Yeah. I, I am. amazing. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Working on vulnerability. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Showing emotion. Hey, now. Being transparent. Sounds like you had some good conversations with your wife. That's Lots good. of good <laughs> healing in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but in a, in a sense, like, thank God, like, this isn't the final destination that we are on a pilgrimage because there's days in my life I'm like, man, this is such a difficult day. I don't want to do right. today. Like, this is hard. You think about just like the actual like when we think of a pilgrim, we think of the pilgrims who founded America and you know celebrated with the Native Americans this meal, and we have Thanksgiving coming up or whatever. They entered into a foreign land. A lot of them died. It was mm-hmm. hard, you know, like all those things. Uh, like the pilgrim journey, it's not always fun and happy and good and easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really difficult. Life's difficult. Uh, there's there's hard things and hard patches and we struggle with sufferings and anxieties and worries and that's part of the journey and I think but the hope is like thank God this isn't it yeah thank God this isn't our final destination because I mean if it was I mean wow how depressing would that be it's true I mean Saint Paul says we'd be the most pitiable of all people I mean right? what's if more this de- was all their more life depressing like living on Earth forever or like. Yeah dying and going to heaven like and i think we mm-hmm. think of death as like this end point and it's like really sad but without hope of heaven like yeah it certainly would be you know yeah yeah we had a giant of the faith locally die recently frank summers yeah. of a family missions company started co-founded with his wife foreign missions company they were missionaries here in abbeville louisiana and then trained missionaries and went all over the world they've 
hundreds of thousands of people have encountered the gospel. That's right. And, uh, you know, Frank, Frank was a very talented lawyer, huge, hugely talented lawyer. I mean, moving up in the ranks um, here in South Louisiana. And when he encountered the gospel, and he had, he, was a, he had a failing marriage at the time, when he encountered the gospel, he just decided to give his whole life to it. He just went all in. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would have died anyway at this age, right? Like if he would have stayed a lawyer, if he would have stayed on that path, That's he, a good point. he'd be dead today, same thing. But wow. instead, because he gave his life to Jesus, that same life, um, well, first of all, he has the hope of eternal life. But like you just said, literally tens of thousands, if not more, mm-hmm. have the hope of eternal life too. Because Frank was all in. Yeah. And um, that's when he decided to be a pilgrim and literally journey to foreign lands and spread the gospel. His pilgrimage was let's go find people that don't know Jesus and tell them that Jesus loves them. And that was his life's pilgrimage. And uh, those same people were going to journey to eternal life with Frank for all, you know, because of that work. Yeah. If you never heard of Family Missions Company, look it up. I mean, they're still active, have missionaries that they train and send out all over the world. We support some of them. We have friends mm-hmm. in Indonesia. Yeah, same I here. Mean, yeah, crazy, like all over, like preaching the gospel in places that you know, like don't even have it. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's crazy, you know. And um, man, hats off to their family and yeah. and, and praying for Frank. Like, but you make a point, dude. I think like, you just made it kind of hit me. Is like I'm gonna die when I'm gonna die, mm-hmm. no matter what. <laughs> and and my life can either like speak for something, make an impact, or not. Like I have a choice. Mm-hmm. To follow Jesus all the way and do something for the world, for for you know the people in front of me, or not, and I'm still going to die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the headline this past week could have read, you know, district attorney office loses a, a great asset in Frank Summers. That, that could have been the headline. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was, you know, this hero of the gospel that has spread the faith throughout. You know, and people were rejoicing that he had made it to heaven. And uh, his work continues. I mean, Family Missions Company will be around in 100 years. Um, That's when you know something is of God, when it lasts beyond you and your life and your time. Like it, you know, like that God is real, active and moving and that it wasn't about you. It was about the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. is that it it keeps going. Now, it might look different or be different. Mm -hmm. And God kind of has the opportunity to, to take it. But that's when you know it's like, oh, this wasn't like a human invention. This was God right. just leading. You know, took a, a humble man who was a lawyer, had a massive conversion, him and his wife, and then boom, like, you know, like just sold everything and went out into like the third world. They went on pilgrimage. Well, and like Benedict points out, there's there's really we're talking about the same thing. If we say the church is community, the church is mission, and the church is pilgrimage, we're we're talking about the same reality. And you know, Frank and, and those that give their life for missionary work, they get it. They get it. They're willing to leave their home, go to a foreign land, to be on mission, and to build the community of the church. Mm-hmm. These saints get it. I and mean, we have so many great saints to celebrate this week that all get it. In we have a, a full way. slate. Adam. Full slate. We have a full slate of full matchups. Slate. We got some matchups <laughs> we're going to have to choose from, basically. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have a, yeah. a tournament to choose the greatest but saint. But before of the week. we get to that, uh, do you have a heavy scene? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? So last week, uh, I got some feedback about a tree. Yeah, you did get feedback. Yeah, because um, like me, people were a little confused when I said that. Yes. They imagine this cow like up in a tree. Yeah. Well, I, f- I found this story from this week. I'm not sure if they're related. Okay, well, if you ha- didn't hear what we talked about, <laughs> I just go on the podcast, Paul George Show. Easy to find. Very easy. 
Spotify. Yeah. I t- anyway, you can listen to what we've talked about. And we tied it all in together, by the way. That's right. That poor cow was stuck in a tree last week. Well, this week, there's a missing cow uh, in New York City. Okay. This is a real story. This is like a lost sheep so story? So I don't know if like this the is one, like- one, the 99? Like, where are we going here? I don't know if this is a follow-up. Like, this is the same cow. It's stuck in a tree and other people don't know. But, um, okay, so here's the deal. There's a 750-pound cow that escaped from a farm. Uh, about three weeks ago, that was spotted in Long Island. So you've mm. been to New York. Long Island is not like rural land. Correct. Okay, so it's in the city. Just running, running around. Moving. It's been spotted, but they can't find it. Like and it just keeps kind of like keeps, turning the corner. Exactly. <laughs> this big cow just keeps. And it's not like being held by someone because every once in a while someone will see it like, oh, I saw a cow. Mm-hmm. But then they go to find it and it's gone. And, um. But I just couldn't believe what I was seeing because I don't know if it's the same cow. I mean, it would make sense to me. Stuck cow, lost cow. Mm. It's like let's yeah, let's talk the, to each other. Yeah, didn't the fire department? It's true. Get that cow out. But what if he went back? Mm. You know, what if he got stuck again? Yeah. But I don't think it is the same cow. But I just thought that was funny that this massive animal uh, that they're looking for in a city where you would think a cow would be obvious. You, well, have you ever roamed around and just felt lost? Have you ever been lost? I have. Okay, like it's a weird feeling. Yeah. You know, and for those of you folks who are old enough, pre-smartphones, where you didn't have a map, like a, you know, like a real, like technologically updated map, you know, mm-hmm. that would like reroute you and stuff. Like the feeling of being lost and not knowing where to go or turn or whatever is like, you know, it's really strange. And then, yeah. like, the opportunity to get more laws because you're trying to find your way, but you just don't know where you're at. So, like, you just keep going, making wrong turns. I mean, it is a weird feeling, particularly it gets at night or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, that's, it's, it's really strange. It's a crisis. It's, it's a weird feeling. And, you know, you know, we're talking about this whole idea of, like, being on a journey, like, and on pilgrimage there's two ways that we can be a pilgrim. We can be a pilgrim that just roams and is completely lost, or we can be on pilgrimage with, with a purpose, mm-hmm. like with a sense of direction. And this is what Christ does for us. Like he, he points us in a direction, gives us a sense of purpose and Hey, walk this way. You're not always going to know where you're going, what's going to happen, but like, like here's the path or, or we can not do that and just still be a pilgrim because we're like we're just on a journey but we could just roam around and just have no meaning for our life and just randomly just end up places. Yeah. Man, you really you did it. You took I, v- Vienna the lost cow. Her name's Vienna by the way. <laughs> and you just made a parable out of it. I love it, man. You're just so good at that. But it's true. So apparently apparently Vienna's goal is to walk around New York City to avoid capture. That's her purpose. And um you know it's interesting that I've met a lot of people, and I've done this myself. We actually do the same thing with the Lord. Um, I've mainly encountered it working with young people that are running from vocations. Like, it was clear the Lord was calling them to the priesthood or to marriage. Sometimes they're like, right. they just don't want to commit. And so they, they get into a, you know, like a, a pilgrim pat, pilgrimage pattern where they're avoiding being caught. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you know, they go in so many directions that God can't catch them. Yes. Um, like Jonah. Like Jonah. You know, Jonah was... <clears throat> You know, God was like, hey, um, go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. You know, like, mm. tell them to repent. And Jonah's like, no, I'm not, not going to do it. As a matter of fact, 
I'm going to go the opposite direction. Yeah. And that's what he does. Like he goes on pilgrimage in the opposite direction, gets on a boat and sails in the opposite direction of Nineveh to avoid what God was telling him. I mean, is that not our nature? Like when maybe it's hard things or even great things that we're afraid of with God, like, and then we just like, no, I'm going to go the opposite direction and maybe pretend like I never heard what God was telling me to do. You know, you imagine like if Frank and Jeannie Summers just said, you know, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go into foreign territory and preach the gospel. How many people would have not heard the gospel, right? Or each day for all of us, I know that feeling. I know that feeling to be like, I'm just going to kind of avoid that. I'm going to kind of move, ease on into the opposite direction. As if God wouldn't notice. As if God would notice so much so that, you know, Jonah, you know, is on this ship. They have a storm. You know, they blame him. You know, God's like, going to reroute him, which God mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. They throw him from the ship. He gets eaten by a whale. We know the whole story. Yeah. You know, and finally he kind of has this reconversion of what God's saying. He's like, okay, I'll go do it. Well, that's the thing is that God's call on our life is a personal call. It's a personal vocation. There's no difference between preaching the gospel and letting people know that God has a particular plan for their life. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. If I'm going to tell people about Jesus, that message is, Jesus loves you and is calling you to a specific life that he wants you to live. And there's no hiding from that. Like you can't be a cow in the middle of the city hiding from God. Like you're going to be seen. And uh, that there's no decision to just be a generic Catholic. I'm just going to be a generic Catholic, go to mass on Sundays, say my prayers, and that's it. God, leave me alone. I'm going to stay hidden. Yeah, he won't leave you alone. There's no, there's no gospel that leaves you alone. The Lord wants us to live the life he's calling us to live. And so, um, yeah, that that decision to be willing to go on pilgrimage, to not just get lost in the crowd like like Vienna, but to actually be the cow God called us to be. I mean, it's interesting <laughs> the names of the cows Vienna, and there's this thing called Vienna sausage. Maybe maybe that's what she heard about. You know, I mean, like, that can't be good. And so she's... I don't know if Vienna sausages come from cows or pigs. I mean, you can make sausage out of both. That's right. Pork and beef. Well, if I'm an animal and I just hear Vienna sausage, I figured this is not good news. I mean, maybe the cows are like running (laughs) Running away. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. We're judging that cow so harshly. I mean. She's just trying to do her thing. She's probably thinking, look, they're going to kill me and grind me (laughs) (laughs) into sausage. I'm going to just roam around the city. Yeah. I'm going to get people to fall in love with me and no one's going to want to kill me. That's true. You know, Maybe she's is, like, I can get a following on social media, then they won't want to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. And then she'll just have a fan base and there's just no way that they're going to, you know, yeah, turn me into a sausage. It's a smart cow. Yeah, very smart cow. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based Health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for being here today on the podcast or on the radio. Paul George Deacon, Adam Presidente Conque. How you doing, sir? Wonderful. All right. So if you had a, you are. a cow, 
You're not a farmer, per no. se. No, I've touched a cow like three times. Yeah, but if you... Uh, Once. Really? Like at a petting zoo type thing? Like, hey, you want to try to... dairy farm and they Grab an you... udder and... Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a weird feeling, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's not something I was used to doing. You kind of feel like you're violating... <laughs> it's true. It's, it's weird, but you're like, yeah, this is natural, normal to get milk from a cow, but it's kind of weird. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that particular animal's experience of life is quite unique. Yeah. You know, people touching it. It's utterly different. It's utterly different. However, if you did have a cow, what would you name it? Um, Besides Vienna. I think I'd go with uh, beef. <laughs> Beefy. Beefy. <laughs> yeah. Because I wouldn't want to connect with it too much on a, like, I intend to eat you one day kind of thing. Uh, or maybe milky. Milk. I'd want to be like utilitarian with it, not <clears throat> form a bond. Like I'm going to be up front. Yeah. You know, I like to be a clear, direct, upfront person. Yeah, man versus beast. <laughs> yeah. Like, let me just tell you how this ends. <laughs> Beefy. <laughs> I mean, well, like ribeye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I just want to be clear and upfront. Slaughter. <laughs> I would name my cow Slaughter. <laughs> Speaking of slaughter, uh, we do have a an awesome lineup, and as we get to that, I think we should start with a weird Catholic stuff. <laughs> What? Yep. You Catholics are some weird people. There's some weird stuff. Why? 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 Yep. If you weren't so weird, more people would like you. Weird Catholic stuff. All right, man. What do you got this week? So this week, uh, we have the strange story of St. Friard. Friard. How do you spell that? F-R-I-A-R-D, and it's French, okay. so I'm sure... Friard. 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 You got royers. Um, Sorry, all French people. Yeah. Uh, so here's a strange story. So he was born in 511 in Brisney, France. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it like an Australian. It's probably not Brisney. It's like Brisney or something. I don't know. Point being, he was a, a holy fella. Um, a monk, but he had he was often uh, persecuted for his faith. Okay. Okay. People made fun of his piety. Even other monks would like make fun of him because mm. he would pray hard. He was a hard prayer. Persecution within your own crew. That's right. Yeah. So he had this like ongoing ability, which I think is cool and weird, to summon wasps. Really? They would wasps would attack his persecutors. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Yes. Like like the locusts in the Old Testament. Right. And they would just start stinging. Like, you're um, the Pharaoh. I'm sending wasps. That's right. And so St. Friard, who's a patron saint of... Um, Bee stings. Of, yeah. Really? Well, of, yeah. Yeah. Against fear of wasps. Oh. <clears throat> which has a name. Uh, Sphixophobia. <laughs> <laughs> Sphixophobia. Sphexophobia. Okay. Sphexophobia there is the go. fear of wasps. All right. And uh, he's your guy. But when I say like wasps, I don't mean like three. Like swarm. Yeah. Like like a cloud of wasps would go after those that were man, picking on them. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, how about that superpower? Yeah. In a sense. like. So that's pretty weird. <clears throat> and uh, that's our weird Catholic stuff. Yeah. St. Friar. Well, okay. Zion of that, like we have a, like a, a list of, uh, you know, saints this week. A lot of them are weird. One we talked about, but this week there's a lineup. Okay, 
I'm going to have to give you some choices this week to talk about. But um, so on Monday, the 19th of September, speaking of weird, we do celebrate a pretty cool saint, St. Januarius, which we've mm-hmm. talked about in the past on the show as a weird Catholic stuff. Because St. Januarius, every day on his feast day, right? Mm-hmm. They take out a vial of blood that's in the church and it turns to liquid. Mm-hmm. Right? It's weird. It just bubbles up, comes back to life, which happened this year. It happened this year. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Like, I forget every year to watch it or not. Yeah. Or to, like, keep an eye out. It always, like, the feast always comes up on me. Like, what? Yeah, it just sneaks up on us. It's true. So, does it, does it turn hard through the rest of the week? Yeah. Um, rest of the year. I mean, like blood would do, it dries up and kind of becomes like crusty. Yeah. And it's in a vial, but then on his feast day and then other important days or moments, it'll reliquify and come back to life. That's crazy. That's weird. I mean, that's wild. I mean, you can't make that up. I mean, it's not like, hey, it's just, I mean, how often have you had a scab and then it just turns to liquid? It just doesn't. Like, I'm not saintly enough for that to happen. Right. January, that's his his thing. I wonder if you get to choose that in heaven where it's like, Hey, I got this idea with my relics on Earth. Just hear me out. You know, there's probably some kind of planning meeting that happens. I don't really know. I mean, we were talking about that before the show. Like, I often have this image of like the saints. They're like in a dugout, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like you're up to bat. Mm-hmm. Like, you never know when you're you're going to be called by the the coach to go bat. You know, you're on deck. You're whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you're a really really obscure saint, like Saint Friard. You know, he probably didn't get prayed to very often. But like, what happens? We just when, invoked him. He's he's when out someone's the like, I'm in the game. has a fear of wasp and yeah. or is stung is like, I need help, and they just know. Yep. Saint Freon, help. And then like, he's is he just game. like sleeping in the dugout? And they're like, hey, you're up to bat. Like, <laughs> wh- how does it work? <laughs> that's awesome. You know, whereas like maybe like there's a there's a saint that's like always playing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like he's always in the starting lineup, or she. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you know, like you're just called on all the time, every day. So you're like, you're in the starting lineup all the time. I have no idea. Yeah, I think for modern saints, that's Saint Therese of Lisieux. She's always in the game. She's like the shortstop. Okay, we have another big one this week, <laughs> but we talked about him last week. Yeah. Okay, so like we're just gonna like put him on deck. Okay. okay. So Saint uh, Pio, Saint, Saint Padre, Padre Pio. Pio. We talked about some of his crazy miracles last week okay so with that you can go back and listen to the show and we'll probably talk about him again at some point because we love him yeah however there's this lineup this week so you got saint joseph cupertino Mm -hmm. saint januarius who we just mentioned then we have saint andrew kim and companions okay then we have saint matthew yeah the apostle no biggie um okay then padre pio we talked about. Then we got St. John Henry Newman, and then we end the week, or I guess you could say start next week, but the 25th, which Sunday, which St. Louis, Martin, and Zelly. It's strong. It's strong. It's a big, I mean, we got a lineup. A lot of Saintspiration this week. Yeah. I mean, I would put this lineup against any other week lineup, like, dear, like week of, not week, W-E-E-K. Right. Week of celebration of you know well what's interesting is other than saint matthew they're all pretty contemporary saints right i mean i mean and january that's pretty old 
Yeah. Um, but Cupertino on up, it's it's like recent, past couple hundred years, and even some very recent. Yeah, and Henry John St. John Henry Newman, mm-hmm. you know, who was a convert to the Catholic faith. Am I right there? Yep, yep. He was a uh, Anglican, and um, in the so it's interesting the the Anglican communion of the church now that we call the uh, ordinariate of the chair of St. Peter, which is based out of Houston. Um, at least in America, there's three like there's three dioceses in the world. But it was it was a again summoning your uh, your guy Saint Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. He started this ordinariate as a way of welcoming Anglicans into communion with the Church. And a lot of that momentum to of Anglicans to come back in the Church started with John Henry Newman and others at, in the 1800s. Of a lot of people in England, a lot of Anglicans um, who consider themselves Catholic. A lot of Catholics don't realize that there's a lot of Anglicans who don't don't think of themselves as not Catholic. Mm. Uh, they call they think of themselves as Anglo-Catholic or Anglican Catholic versus Roman Catholic, but they consider themselves Catholic. Mm. Um, well, anyway, he was in that group in the 1800s, and so started digging into the the Catholic Catholicity of his faith, right? And yeah, then once he started you, researching a lot of the Church Fathers too, right? And once you do that, um, he was a smart guy. <clears throat> like he was very. Him, him and a lot of companions uh, entered the Catholic faith. And then you have people like G.K. Chesterton later in the next century. But that, that lineage of Anglicans that become Catholic, that understand the connection that they need to have to Rome, all started, well, this modern movement started with John Henry Newman. And mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Like today we have lots of Anglicans that have become Catholic through this ordinariate because of St. John Henry Newman and the, the path he, he uh, provided. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have conversions to the church, <clears throat> to Catholicism, when they have the intellectual capacity to study and research and learn. St. John Henry Newman was an Anglican, but he began to research and study, and you know, he, was, he was an intellectual mm-hmm. you know, man who just eventually was like, I, there's no other path for me, right? Mm-hmm. So then he gave that up, and then... You know, converted two to, two years later was ordained, you know, a priest mm-hmm. in the Roman Rite. But you know, like, what a beautiful journey, and he's had a massive impact on the world. Well, the interesting thing is that long before Vatican II, you know, a century before, as an Anglican and then as a Catholic, his number one pastoral priority was the role of laity and building culture in the world, building Catholic culture, and uh, even as an Anglican, he would. He had some pretty famous fights with politicians that were trying to separate faith from culture, trying to separate faith from life, trying to delegate faith to very private reality and limit its public influence. And John Henry Newman saw that coming from a mile away, and he was very public about uh, criticizing that and encouraging a faith that can actually build a culture. Hmm. And when he became a priest, he worked mainly with laity. He was an oratorian, which... um, you know, St. Philip Neri founded, but the oratory for oratorians, the oratory instead of the parish was is the locus, right? So like instead of a parish, which is for us, our experience of, you know, normal Catholic life, we go to mass there, we right. have confession, those kinds of things. Well, for oratorians, the oratory was a place to form and evangelize lay people, moms, dads, husbands, fathers, children, to build them up as as uh, intellectually and spiritually to be able to fulfill their vocation in the world. This was John Henry Newman's life long before Vatican II, and so um, he also paved the way for that. 
you know, and would we even have the vision of, of laity building up the culture of the world without John Henry Newman? I don't think we would. Yeah. St. Thomas More was an Englishman as well, right? Mm -hmm. What year was he? That would be around the 1500s. So he was before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was 1500s. Yeah, that's right. And then. Um, 1600s. St. John Henry Newman was around 1800, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, 1800s. So he had a model of like, you know, like a St. Thomas More who wasn't Anglican, who was Catholic, who right. stuck to his faith, who was beheaded by the king, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they wouldn't, they, they agreed to disagree. Right. As a layman, right? St. Thomas More. And remember yeah. that. I mean, he's just, he was a layman. He was a layman. Actually married twice. Mm. His first wife passed away. And then he remarried and was just a, like a holy man, faithful to the church's teaching. And in the 1500s, I mean, you're like talking about like 500 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Was beheaded because, you know, he agreed to disagree. Yeah. You know. So anyway, we got this this week. I mean, uh, then you got, you know, ones that you don't necessarily hear about all the time, but uh, St. An- Andrew, Kim, Paul, and Companions. These are Korean martyrs, and we're talking about like this this missionary call, you know, uh, family missions company. Like in the first segment, like these folks were missionaries in Korea. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you don't know the story of these Korean martyrs, the th- after this podcast, look it up and read because nothing should aspire us more to build Catholic life and culture than these people. Because we're talking about over a hundred people over many years that were martyred. Uh, in Korea in the 1800s when the faith was beginning to spread and they literally had very little of the things you and I have a lot of. So for example, they didn't have mass every Sunday because they didn't have priests abundant. They didn't have a parish where they could you know, be active at and spread the faith openly. They only had homes where under pain of death they were hiding in secrecy. And the faith spread like wildfire. So to give you an idea, well, and some of these stories are so heroic, but St. Ignatius Kim is Father Andrew Kim's dad. Yeah, they're, so, they're both saints. They're both saints. Father, son. And martyrs. It's crazy. So Ignatius Kim converts to the faith, raises his children in the faith in secrecy, and then his son becomes a priest and like, then dies for the faith too. Like one of the first native priests of Korea. Yeah, he's the first. First native Korean um, to be a priest. And... You know, the, the way it went down, Ignatius Kim in that first generation, they met some Chinese Jesuit priests who, who bravely went on mission, like we talked about, into Korea, who shared the gospel with them, left them some notes, like some papers, and then said, you know, good luck, Godspeed, left, came back seven years later, and there were 4,000 Catholics. So this first community that met these priests had heard about the gospel for the first time. Then the priests leave right? And they, all they have is each other in these notes and spread the faith to 4,000 people just on their own. Just from like leave, like letting them read the, the gospel truth? Yeah. Like in these... Well, they, what they did was they had these home um, meetings, which again, we take this for granted. Like, let's get together and share the faith once a week. You know, and we think it's like a hobby or something. But for them, it was all their faith. <laughs> like, that was their faith. Was they got together weekly on Sunday, shared the faith with each other, promoted it, read the notes in the, in the uh, Bible that they had, and it spread to 4,000 people in seven years. Like I will, 
I will never convert 4,000 people, right? But somehow, uh, by God's grace, this is what happened. And this, all lay people. Hmm. All lay people. That's crazy. Yeah, some of the martyrs, uh, well, and it spread beyond the 4,000. So once they came back, you know, they ordained people like Andrew Kim. But over the martyr, look, we had we had a seven-year-old boy that was martyred, who's one of those companions of the saint. We had a 26-year-old girl. That's right. Um, you had a lot of elderly people. You also had seven clerics. So it was the full church in Korea. Um, Columba Kim, an unmarried woman of 26, and then... Uh, Paul Hassung, a lay apostle and married man, also died mm-hmm. at age 45. That's that's around, that's like you, man. A married man in his 40s. Do you know? Like, let's do this. Yeah, it's like... The pilgrim journey has ended. When I read stories like this, I'm like, man, what are we doing? What am I doing? You know, I mean, like, what if you just started, like, a bunch of small groups in your town, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, there's 4,000 people in your little town you live in, right? Absolutely. Like what? What's keeping the conversions of many, uh, <clears throat> you know, from from like, yeah, like yep. like spreading like wildfire? Like that's besides Andrew and Paul, John Paul II canonized ninety eight Koreans and three French missionaries who had been martyred between eighteen thirty nine and eighteen sixty seven. Just so interesting because this is around the time of. St. John Henry Newman, who was, that's right. you know, a, a missionary in his own right in more of the modern world, right? Mm-hmm. And and yet converted, and his conversion to the Catholic faith, like, you know, had a massive impact on society. Yeah. Well, and these, uh, the missionary work doesn't end in the church ever. <clears throat> and for John Henry Newman, seeing his own beloved England as a mission field... Uh, for the Koreans to see their own beloved Korea as a mission field to risk their life. Both both really risked their life in different ways. The Koreans, obviously, a uh, hundred of them or plus, literally lost their life to do that. Um, but, you know, to see our own homeland as a mission field is essential to being a saint. Well, I think this is why all these saints are aligned this week. Like, it's crazy because then you have St. Matthew, the apostle, you know, who was like the last on the list of probably like people would think about that Jesus would call is his tax collector. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was an enemy, you know, like, like hidden in the camp, mm-hmm. right. Of the Jewish folk. And Jesus goes, just goes to him. is like, Hey, come and follow me. And you know, you have this image of Matthew in the gospel, like at his tax collector table, counting money or whatever, whatever image you have of Matthew. But it, in the gospel it says he just, he just got up like he just got up and followed Jesus. Right. Like that. And that is like the, the first step of a disciple to, to go on pilgrimage is just to leave the old, the past behind and just start a new life. Mm-hmm. Like that's what Matthew did. Yeah. And I guess that I, he's such a icon of kind of settling your accounts with the world and then investing with, the Lord, because I mean, he had lots of money because he was a tax collector. But like he told the Lord, he'll he'll uh, he set, he had to settle his debts, you know, the sins of his past, and get right with God, get right with people, and then follow the Lord. And um, this is part of the the reason why a lot of us don't jump on mission like Matthew. 
is that we really do have to cut ties with this world. Too. We have to settle up, you know? Hey-o. Right? Yeah, it's interesting, though, but I'm sure Jesus still used his natural gifts, right? Like as mm-hmm. a accountant, tax collector, you know, I mean, although, you know, Judas was, in a sense, treasurer. You know, Matthew... Well, can I ha- pause you there? Because I think yeah. this is so interesting. Because in a corporate world, we're like... We think of everyone gifts and talents, their experience, and let's put them all to work for the kingdom of God, right? Right. But our Lord literally took probably the least qualified person who was Judas and said, you be in charge of the purse. (laughs) Whereas Matthew, the tax collector, had so much experience. And I'm sure at the time, Matthew might have been miffed a little. Like, I don't know. like, Like, Judas just jumped up to be treasurer. Yeah. But the Lord knew what he was doing. Yeah, because he knew that Matthew would need to be writing. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Maybe like, Matthew didn't know that. Yet. Matthew yeah. was, he was obviously educated, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you you don't just get like, you don't just become a tax collector because you're like, don't know, you know, how to think. And, right. you know, you're not educated. So, like, the Romans would have picked him because he was, you know, you know, good. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, the Lord was like, yeah, like, money's like, yeah, that's, that, that's too easy for you. Like, we... Mm. I'm, you know, you, you're going to need to record some stuff along the journey. And like he, you know, he would have like, you know, written down a lot of accounts. Yeah. It's like the Lord is able to see things in us that we can't see. That's or doesn't true. look on paper that that makes sense. And sometimes it feels like we're getting passed up, right? right. Like, hmm. you know, like uh, we think we deserve more. We think whatever. And the Lord's just like, just hang in there. Just hang in there. <laughs> I think the, you know, you mentioned that because I think one of the greatest issues I think we all struggle with is that we don't see the goodness and the gifts that God sees in us. And so, like we talked about earlier, we run from them. Yep. We go the other direction instead of embracing, you know, <clears throat> these gifts or this goodness that we have that could further our ability to like follow the Lord and do good things and go on mission. We run from it because we're actually afraid of our goodness. We're afraid of our gifts because we might, we might be called to do something yeah. with, with them. Right. Yeah. And so it kind of freaks us out. And we're like, ah, I don't want to go to Nineveh and mm-hmm. preach. You know, I don't want to go to the foreign land like family missions or St. St. Paul Kim and companions you know, I don't want to convert like St. John Henry Newman, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to levitate like St. Padre <laughs> Pio, right? Like, I don't want to bilocate and I don't want to have the stigmata. Like all these saints had specific gifts that they, they didn't necessarily ask for. They just, God used them and they, they just embraced them instead of running from them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Matthew, um, again, kind of this thread of, of laity, the importance of that. I mean, Matthew was not a priest in the old covenant and none of them were. And right. I don't even everybody, anybody thought of that, but literally none of the apostles were priests of the old covenant. Right. They could have been like right. God could have yeah, called none priests. of them were. Yeah. Pharisees or Sadducees or any of the Levitic right. priesthood. But God chose laymen to be the first priests of the new covenant. Hmm. And uh, that's an interesting thought because obviously he, he formed out of his church men that were formed in family life, formed in business, formed in trade, formed mm-hmm. in grit, like we've talked about before. Yep. Uh, and 
Now he did have priests follow him that <clears throat> left, yeah. that converted. You know, Nicodemus, right? Yeah, um, yeah, he was a Pharisee. So I mean, it who were like, yeah, like I'm going with the new covenant, you know. But yeah, like he didn't choose. Yeah, the twelve. That's a, that's a very interesting. Well, and then point. Padre Pio, like the priesthood of the new covenant, serves that mission of the of the church to be missionary. That's mainly in a sense, a lay mission. And what I mean by that is just like everything in the church is because 98% of us are laity, right? right. Like yeah. most of us. Are, so when we say anything, the mission of the church, the pilgrimage of the church, the communion of the church, we're talking about moms, dads, you know, husbands, fathers. We're talking about brothers, sisters. We're yeah. talking about laity mainly. Yeah. And then we have these heroes, these giants and these clergy that serve that. And uh, yeah, so I mean, the, of course, beginning next week and kind of ending the thing of St. Louis and Zélie Martin, they just typify that. I mean, that's what it's all about, is that we would live a life devoted completely to God, us and our children, and we'd all become saints, all get to heaven, um, which is what they devoted their life to. Hmm. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare. 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for being a part of the show today on the podcast. Man, my head's still spinning from that St. Blitz. So many Saints. I told you we had a lineup this week, man. It's amazing. We had some matchups. Like if you had to go head to head, like who's the greatest? Well, who are you going to choose to talk about? You know, like Gosh, yeah. But you know, and then you know, obviously we didn't get to Padre Pio. Yeah, and they had some other ones in here. It's like they're just like, yeah, those are good, but like we just didn't have time. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, but you know, it's interesting. You mentioned it at the end of the last segment, and we kind of end the week with. It's really cool saints. We've mentioned before on the show, but they're the first married couple to get canonized together as a married couple. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had married saints, um, but this is like Louis and Zelie Martin were canonized as a together, as a unit, as a married couple. Yeah, it's wild. They're contemporary. So the just long story, like they're the parents of St. Teresa of Avila. St. Therese of Lisieux. I mean, uh, yeah, St. Therese mm -hmm. of Lisieux. I, I mean, I get the two. The Theresas, yeah. I mean, the Theresas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and uh, of course, all five of their daughters came religious. They had four other children that died early. Um, but all five of their children that grew into adulthood entered religious life, which is wild. Yeah, it wasn't the pilgrim journey that they thought. But actually, both of them thought that they were called to religious life. They didn't know mm -hmm. each other. And after both literally getting rejected in some way, shape or form from religious life. Yep. Uh, 
they they met. It wasn't sort of their backup vocation. It was sort of like, it was like God. Ha- this was their ordained vo- vocation that God had to like like reroute them to, you know, because they thought it was one direction, you know, and like circling back to being on a pilgrimage. Like this was their journey, and finally that they would meet. You know, mm-hmm. God would send them to Nineveh together as they tried to like go a different <laughs> direction. Yeah, per se, and and they became just a holy married couple who raised holy people just in their little domestic church, their home. All that being said, like I would say like in the last year or so, like I've really um, like added them to my, what would I say? My tool, my tool shed, my (laughs) tool belt. They're in the dugout ready to roll. They're in the dugout. Like they've become hardcore intercessors intercessors for my marriage for my my family like because oh, so they're on their field they're playing yeah they're playing in my on my field yeah my field of dreams like we could build our own field of dreams <laughs> and we could put our own like saint line up there to like mm. intercede and you know play ball with us mm-hmm. they have made the starting lineup wow for me yeah i mean maybe not for you i mean because there's a thousand you know no for me they're pretty up there but they speak of and you had mentioned this as we close the last segment is they speak of just the ordinary life that Mm. the majority of us live in this lay life, this ordinary life, this family life, this communion, this marriage, and just this call to be consistently on pilgrimage together, journeying together, doing the ordinary things with, with great love and sacrifice and holiness, pursuing God and discipleship, doing what God asks, not running from it. And that's what they did. They just did that very simply and holy. And I, for some reason, I think that is a great model for all of us. Oh, for sure. Well, and <clears throat> when you read their story and you mentioned them both want to be religious and then uh, you go from there, I think one of the common themes all of us can learn from them is complete generosity with God and then letting God determine what the gift is. Hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of us begin with God, okay, I'll do whatever you want, within these parameters, right? Like we give them the parameters, but both of them started their adult life with a complete self-gift, which is, I mean, look, consecrated life is literally, objectively speaking on paper, the most generous gift we could give to God, which is why a lot of saints have called it the most perfect life. It's not because, you know, those are the greatest saints necessarily, but just objectively speaking on paper, giving your life to God and consecrated life is the most radical gift because it is so different from the world. It's literally leaving the world to follow God into an oasis, a, a um, sign of the life that is to come. Hmm. And poverty, chastity, and obedience in their completeness are utter self-gifts. It's utter generosity. And both Louis and Zay Lee wanted that. Like They would desire that. They desired the generosity of it, that they would give God everything. And then when God said, well, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad you're going to give me that. I'm going to redirect that into married life. They still want to give God everything in married life. And so their original plan was to, to live a Josephite marriage where they would not have sexual relationships with each other, not have children. They, they just want to be as generous as they could. I mean, mm-hmm. how, that's very generous to God, right? Right. Well, God redirected that within a year and said, no, I actually need you to have kids. We need your family to be a witness to the world. Right. And so they were generous with that witness. I mean, they raised their kids to become saints. And 
literally all of them, all of them became what they thought they, the parents would be. And this is the beautiful full circle of all that, right? Both parents began discerning religious life. And instead of two religious, we ended up with five religious um, in their family and three saints, <laughs> you know? That's crazy. In their family. Um, so, but it all started with their personal generosity before they met each other. Right. That they were willing to give God everything. Yeah. And look, you know, we, we shouldn't like be intimidated or freak out by people's stories like this. We should be encouraged. Like, you know, like to think, oh, well, my, you know, I'm not going to be saints like them or like my kids aren't or whatever. It's like, no, like, like just be on the journey, be mm-hmm. on the pilgrim journey with, with Christ and just like, just like Matthew, like just leave the old behind and follow him. And I, I mean, we got to be reminded of that as a disciple, like every day, like that. Yes. Okay. Well, let me get up and take the step forward. And the grace of God just takes care of, of the rest, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, like that, like that's it. And, and allow God to just use me, my natural gifts and aptitudes and just like, okay, Lord, like I'm here to, to do your work and your will wherever you place me and put me in my marriage, my vocation, my, my fatherhood, you know, and in my work, that's it. Like it's all yours. And at the end of my life, I hope maybe people will speak of me like, we do the saints or the Frank Summers family missions, like those types of things. Like, mm. you know, it's like you said, like you made that point. Like we're going to like, no matter what, like people are, we're going to die on a certain day. Yeah. And we could either die just having done nothing or die having done something. And that like, <laughs> it's like really That's pretty much it. But that really like has impacted my thought today because yeah. it's like, Oh, well, yeah. Like, like I can, I can choose which, which way I want to go. Well, and I think an unspoken word that's important to those, to that choice about endless generosity is, uh, is fear because the only reason we would be completely generous with God. The only reason we would go all in like all these saints is out of love for him. And the only thing competitive with our love for God, if it's real is our fear. Hmm. That's really the only competitive thing because if I really love God, the only thing that can stop that fire from spreading, that love of God from taking over my whole life, is my fear of the risk of doing that. My fear, and like scriptures tell us, perfect love casts out all fear. Um, when I'm afraid, I don't think people realize, I know I realize it more and more, how fear can stop God's grace in my life. How fear can stop this fire that's in me that God wants to set the world ablaze through. Fear can keep Frank Summers from founding Family Missions Company. Fear can keep me from, you know, I can go years and say, should I say this to my coworker or not? Should I invite them to my Bible study or not? Should I start a Bible study or not? I might love God sincerely, authentically, completely. But if I'm also afraid, that will stop my love of God, Mm. you know? And all these saints we've talked about were not afraid. Be not there it is. <laughs> I go. I always have a song. You do. In my heart. But you remember this past Sunday's gospel when Jesus talked about uh, dishonest wealth and the one before that where he talked about if you're going to build a tower, make sure you have the stuff to finish. This, um, in the one this past Sunday, he talked about if you're, if you're faithful in small matters, you'll be trusted with more. Mm-hmm. If, if we just become less afraid in small matters, you know how many small matters like 
stunt us every day. The way we talk to our spouses, the way we talk to our coworkers, these very small matters that we could be very brave in and we just choose not to be. Mm. So God's not going to entrust us with the big stuff <laughs> just yet. But if we can be faithful in the small matters to follow the Lord and to be missionary and to be brave, he will entrust us with greater things. Amen. That's great. Dude, this show has flown by. So many things. So many. The lineup was strong. The force is strong. It's packed. You, know. you can't say we don't have a lot of things to talk about. <laughs> you might say we didn't talk much you know, well about them, but we had a lot of things well, to talk knows? about. Who knows? That's not for us to determine. That's right. So anyway, thanks for being a part of the show today. Uh, feel free to share the show on the podcast. And thanks to everyone here at KLFT and Katie Anna. And we'll be back next week.